several years ago at one of the conferences I was at or one of the preacher's meetings or something, I don't remember what it was, but they were promoting a book called The Seven Seasons, Seven Seasons of a Person's Life, of a Man's Life. If I'd known the author, I'd give, you cre I'd give him credit for it, but I'm not sure who the author is. But what I did was I took that book and I realized that we do go through these important seasonal times. And then I paralleled that with this passage in Ecclesiastes, which is usually a passage I'll share during a funeral service. But uh, I know you're not a bunch of deadbeats, but I hope you see this in today's light. And I hope you understand that I'm just trying to help you through some of those seasons that we go through in our life. And so we're going to begin by reading in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I trust it will be a, a blessing to you, okay? The Bible says, to everything there is a season. Now, before I read any further, I've always thought of Ecclesiastes like, a, like another proverb. You know what I'm saying? Another book of Proverbs. There's so much in Ecclesiastes that, that resonates with what we learn in Proverbs. And so I see that. And Solomon here is writing in such a way that you and I can appreciate that, that thinking and the way he composes things through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But he says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. <coughs> time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill. That seems strange, doesn't it? Let military people understand that. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. There's a time to weep, verse 4, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to rent, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Verse 8, a time to love, and a time to hate. A time of war, and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh, and that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight the privilege to be in your house with these good people. I pray, Lord, that they'd be able to say when the evening's over, it has been profitable and it has been good to be in your house with your people singing your praises. And I pray, Lord, that you'd Help this preacher tonight not to <coughs> cough so much because of the tickle that's going around and the pollens and all the dust in the air from the farming activity. But Lord, we pray that we would be able to share truths that would be helpful, the kind of truths that would be good reminders for us, the kind of truths that would be a challenge to us. And especially, Lord, I would pray that as a preacher, I'd be able to share things that would be pleasing and honoring in your sight. So help me to leave out those things that are unimportant and to share with these good people things from your word that are. Well, thank you for the help you give. In Christ's name, amen. <coughs> I was given an illustration several years back, and I've never forgotten. 
uh, he brought out a yardstick. You know, a yardstick is, most yardsticks are 36 inches. And he said, this yardstick kind of represents our life. And uh, yeah, two yardsticks would be 72 inches. <coughs> but what he did was he broke off. Every time we got to a certain season in our life, he'd say, that's done. And he'd throw it away, and then he'd take another six inches, that's done. And he'd throw it away, and another six inches, that's done. He'd throw it away, and another six inches, he'd throw that away. So what I did was I, I got me a yardstick, and I cut it up in six slices. And what I did was I, uh, I looked at the years of our life. And uh, I won't throw them away because I feel sorry for the janitor, and I'll just lay them to the side here. But the first six inches of a yardstick, we'd call them the toddler years, from age zero to 12. You know, the Bible says typically most of us live about 70 years. I'm going to try to get up to the year 70 here. Zero to 12 are the toddler years. For me, that's gone. Is there anybody here uh, zero to 12? Is there anybody here under 12? Raise your hand if you're under 12. Okay, you still got some time left, okay? They're, do they're done for most of us. The 12 to 24, those are the tender years, the teenage years, and the temptation years. How many of you are uh, under 24? <laughs> you still got some time left, okay? If you're, uh, if you're over 24, we still got a ways to go here. 24 to 36, there's another. Those I put down as the uh, together years. That's when we spend time with our wife and we spend time with our children. And then we have the 36 to 42 years. There's uh, six more years of our life or eight more years of our life. Whatever. I call that the talk. I had to alliterate this because I know the pastor's concerned about that. So we had toddler, teen, together, taco. Taco tense years. Between 36 to 42. That's when your waist gets bigger, okay? 36 to 42. And then we have the tenacious years. There's a good word. A tenacious years. That's your midlife crisis from 42 to like 48. Those are your tenacious years. They're gone. I think for at least half of us, all these years are already gone. And then we have the taxing years and the trying years from 48 to 56 and on. And that takes care of that. But you know, if you have lived over 70, then we're riding on grace. Because I know over 70 that one day Lynn's going to try to wake me up in bed and I'm Time to go. I will have already gone. I, I know those days are coming. And so I really trust and appreciate every day that the Lord gives me after age 70. I don't take them for granted. I trust the Lord will help me and give me strength. <coughs> I want to give you these seven seasons, and you probably noticed I didn't have a handout tonight. I'm getting lazy in my old age, but 
Last week was kind of busy, so I didn't get a chance to get a handout for this particular study. But if you have your bulletin, just put on there from 1 through 7. And I'm going to give you seven seasons that we go through, most of us. Not everybody, but most of us go through these seven seasons. And you can uh, disagree if you want, that's okay. Um, in some cases, these seven different seasons may not seem important to you, and that's okay too. And in some cases, there might be more than seven seasons. And that is certainly okay. Now, salvation is the most important thing, the biggest event that happens. And some people get saved at a very young age. Some people get saved when they're teens. I was saved at age 30. <coughs> and I'm sure there's some in here that were saved later than age 30. But salvation is important, and that's primary in all of these. But the first graduation time for us, or the first big season of our life, and I've kind of labeled these to help you remember them, is our birthday. The B-Day, our birthday. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, look at verse 2. The Bible says there is a time to be born. That's the first season of our life, our B-Day, our birthday. And most of us get cards, at least from mom or grandma, all the way until we die. Moms and grandmas are good at that, sending us B-Day or birthday cards. Now we know from Isaiah, if you want to just write that down, Isaiah 44, and the first four verses, we know that these infant years were very important to the Lord because he gives us some reminders here in Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, <coughs> verses 1 through 4, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jezron, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, <coughs> and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up, these infants, they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. The Lord is concerned about us after that first big event, that first amazing season, that birthday, when it's a time for us to be born. The Lord knows about it, and usually when we're toddlers, everything is done for us. Our mother takes care of us, she feeds us, she clothes us, she carries us. Everything's done for us. All we got to do is lay in our arms and smile. Life is pretty easy when you're a toddler. But the Bible says there's a time to be born. And without that important season, none of you would be here. So that's the first season, our B-Day. The second season, I call it our stray day. That's graduation. The second big event in people's lives seems to be graduation. Now, not specifically from kindergarten or junior high like you do today, but I'm talking basically the high school graduation. When my parents were alive, the high school graduation was eighth grade. How many of you are eighth grade graduates? You kind of remember that time a little bit? 
That was, that was the target. People were headed for that eighth grade graduation. When I came around, or short, sometime before I came around, it got to be a 12th grade graduation. I know the government is pushing for free junior college because they'd like to bump that up and keep you in school a little bit longer. But whatever, graduation, that time where you finish, where most people finish, high school, that is a big event and that is an important season. Now if we look at, look at uh, verse 6 of Ecclesiastes. Uh, <coughs> the reason I call it a stray day is because verse 6 says there's a time to get. Now, a lot of parents give their kids luggage for graduation. And I don't know if you see the wisdom in that, but what they're trying to tell them is, look, you've graduated high school now. You need to get out there and find a job. Take care of your own laundry. Buy your own car. Burn up your own gas. And, uh, you know, see if what we taught you is really taking hold. So I call that the, the stray days. Graduation from high school is when we decide what's next. Will it be college? For most of me and for me and most of my friends, it was the draft, so it was military. Maybe it's marriage. Hopefully it's not crime. But it's a time to get. And in today's vernacular, we'd say, it's a time to get a life. It's a time to grow up. You have graduated. So your birthday is your first season. Your stray day, or the day to get going, is your graduation from high school. Uh, what's, what's next in our list? Well, I've chosen the, the payday. And of course, I call that our employment. And the reason that's a good season is because most of us decide by the time we're about 23, 24 years old, what kind of work we'd like to do the rest of our life. Now, I have been told, statisticians have said that when people turn 30, 60% of people change occupations. But my point is that we work to make money, we work to provide for our family. It's an important thing for you and I to decide what are we going to contribute to society what are we going to contribute to our work and to our church and to our home? And I call it the employment season. If you look at verses 9 and 10 of Ecclesiastes 3, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? Work is travail. I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised. You know, I always thought it was funny. <coughs> All these... Uh, What do they call these places where you get exercise all the time? Gyms. When I was young, I always thought it was... I never thought the gym thing would ever amount to anything because I thought, why would you pay to go someplace and exercise when you can get a job and exercise for free and they will pay you? To me, it just made sense. If you wanted a lot of exercise, get a job that provides a lot of exercise and then you can get paid for it. But what's important is that we realize that working is an important season in our life and we should all purpose to find some kind of work or some kind of employment so we can be a contribution to society and not a leech. The uh, Filipino missionaries that would come to our house 
they would say, what can we do to be a, a better citizen in America? And I would tell them, well, don't be a leech. And they'd say, what's a leech? And I'd say, a leech is somebody who comes to our country and just sucks the blood out of it. And they don't put anything back. That's a leech. God didn't create you and give you good arms and good legs and good hands so that you could sit back and let everybody else work. God created us for a season of work. That's why we have strength in our arms and that's why we have legs, so, he, so we can find a job, we can work, and we can be productive. And most importantly, we can get a paycheck. And that's how we pay the bills. And that's how we're able to have a house. And that's how we're able to drive our cars to church. Employment is important. Um, unemployment, I don't know when it started, but my dad never remembers getting unemployment. If you worked, you got paid. If you didn't work, you didn't get paid. That's the way it was. And uh, sometimes I think our the ease in which we can be unemployed is hard for our country. Because I think God didn't design us for sitting around. He designed us for work. Don't don't get too discouraged because one of my points here is retirement. Okay, so there's hope for us that are older. <coughs> so the first season is our B day. Second season, graduation, is our stray day. The third season is employment, our payday. We work and we labor. The next season, I call it. I gotta be careful with this, but I had to get something that rhymed. So I said the gay days. Now, gay in the olden days meant happy and full of joy. Today, gay means something different, so that's why I want to be careful. So if you want to put happy days, you can put happy days. But uh, in Ecclesiastes 3 here, verses 4 and 5, I think we can call this the marriage season. Look at verse 4 and 5 of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. <coughs> it seems funny that marriage would start with a time to weep. But most girls at weddings, they cry because they're so happy, okay? It's a happy week, okay? But I think at marriage, it's a season when a man and a woman began to really enjoy each other and began to really enjoy life. And so it becomes a time to laugh. It's also a season when they have children. And the mother has to go through labor, time to mourn. And the father has to figure out how to pay the bills. So he has a time of mourning as well. It says it's a time to dance. And I realize that at, as a church we don't promote dancing the way the, the world does and the culture does. But if you ever watch the dances that they do in Israel, they're more of a celebrative kind of a dance. They're not that hoogie-boogie, mushy-mushy, wishy-washy stuff they do today. They're actually a celebration. It's like a little toddler when you tell your little toddler, we're going to the Dairy Queen, and then they start jumping up and down. It's that kind of dance. Because you're happy. You're content. You're fulfilled. You're married. You married the girl of your dreams. And it's a season. It's an important season. And you talk to most people, and they'll, they'll refer at some point in the conversation about their marriage. So the birthday. The birthday is important. The graduation is important. Employment is important. Marriage is important. And then there's parenthood. That's another season. There are lots of couples that don't have children, but there's many couples that do have children. <coughs> I call this the heyday. H-E-Y or H-A-Y. You can use whatever word you want, but I call them the heydays. Because children, 
can be such a joy and they can be such a burden at the same time. They're kind of bittersweet. I think there's more sweet than bitterness. But uh, there are times when having children can be, can be difficult, especially if you have a challenged child with a major disability. If you want to write down Psalm 127, Psalm 127, I'd like to read that for our major season here of parenthood. This is our reward season. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And it's vain for you to rise up early, <coughs> to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. And so he giveth his beloved sleep. Look at verse 3. Children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy, <coughs> happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. An earthly reward from the Lord is children. Now, most of you know that I'm from a family of 11 kids. I'm in the middle of 11. We had a young lady come to our church in Bemidji when we were up there. And she was a young, pretty girl, about 20 years old, and she was interested in getting married. And I said, when you get married, how many kids are you going to have? She said, we're not having kids. I said, why? I said, you've got, you've got such a good, happy spirit. You're, you're educated now. You've got your man. You're going to get married. Why would you not want children? Well, I'm just career focused. I don't want to raise children. And I said, can't remember her name, but I called her by her name and I said, look, good parents need to have more children. People who don't know how to be good parents ought to stop having them. And I've always believed that. Part of the problem in our culture is the good parents that really know how to parent and love the Lord, too many of them have swallowed the lie that one or two is perfect. I don't think so. I think you've got to have at least three because if you only have two, you're just replacing mom and dad. If you have three, you're actually helping the Christian family grow a little bit. So go out there and have 10 or 11 or be like the Wesleys, have 18. Or uh, what's that family, Jeremy and, and Elkin with a dozen kids? Creviers. Yeah, don't they have 12 kids? I'll never forget the Creviers. They, they'd come to church every once in a while in Elkin, they'd fill up two pews. <coughs> they were pregnant with their last child. At least they thought it was their last child. And uh, she was kind of a small girl, very pretty girl, but she wasn't large in, in stature. And they, all the babies were delivered at home by dad, at least that's what I understand. And after the baby was born, dad said, oops, there's another one here. They didn't even know it, but she had two babies in the last batch. And so they ended up with a dozen kids. But uh, if you go to their house, I've been there a time or two, and it's just, it's just one big gymnasium. And they love to sing and they love to play and mom and dad love having kids and it's amazing. We need more families like that. We really do. Now, uh, somebody told one of the preachers not too long ago, a lady said, if you want 12 children, then you have them. And uh, she wasn't too excited about having 12 herself as the preacher had preached. She wanted him to experience having a few babies. But I really think that children... 
a reward from God. And if it hadn't been on doctor's orders, I told my wife, we're going to have a dozen kids. But the doctor said, you can't do that. It'll create a critical situation and you won't have a wife. You have to not have any more. So we had to stop having children at three. But our goal, at least my goal, was to have a dozen. My wife thought she should have six and I should have the other six. But uh, parenthood is one of those things that are great. A joy should flood our soul when babies are born. Little uh, Marty was up here at the funeral yesterday reading, and she's in a family way. I think November, December, she's going to have a baby. She's going to be a good mom. I can tell just by looking at her, just by observing her. She's going to be a good mom because she's got that love for babies already, and she hasn't had a child. Don't let the world steal from us the reward of the Lord. I loved being a parent when my kids were young. There were some headaches, and I got some gray hairs when I got a little bit older. But what a joy the kids have brought to our family and to our ministry. And it's definitely a season, that child-rearing season. The Lord gives us children, and he expects us to direct them as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. The Lord expects us to guide them, and the Lord promises us happiness if our quiver is full of them. A quiver is a pouch for holding arrows, and usually they carry five arrows. So if you get your quiver full, you've got to have five, okay? Jeremy, how many do you have now? Okay, got some more. Okay, two more, okay? Uh, you could borrow two of pastors. He had eight, so. <laughs> Somebody said, with kids, we get to hold them, we get to mold them, and not just scold them, okay? We get to hold them, we get to mold them, and not just scold them, although sometimes they do need a scolding, but what a blessing it is to be a parent. Somebody asked all the Hollywood rich movie stars, what's your biggest regret? You know what's amazing? All these movie stars and starlets, many of them said, my biggest regret is not having children. They're millionaires now, and they have nobody to give their wealth to. They've never had any children. And uh, I should go out there and see if they'll adopt me. But uh, probably won't happen. I don't think I've ever met a parent who is disappointed that they had children. It's a, it's a good season being a parent. The heydays. Now we have number six, the retirement season. And I call that the way days. W-E-I-G-H. That's because we usually weigh more during retirement days. You see, well, there's no retirement in the Bible. Yeah, careful, careful. Look at Genesis 2 and verse 2. Genesis 2 and verse 2. This is as close as I can find, Pastor. Don't be mad at me. Don't accuse me of taking out of context because I love it right here. Genesis 2 and, and uh, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. That's kind of a, a weak support for retirement, but I do believe that there's a pattern here Maybe it has to do with our most people retiring around 70. If a day is as a thousand years and you work for 60 years or 65 years on the seventh day, maybe a little bit of retirement package is okay. Now my personal motto is don't stop. It's okay to slow down, but don't stop. Because if, they st if you stop during your retirement years, 
They just build a box and then they put your name on the box. So slow down, but don't stop totally. And I hope that you don't stop in your service for the Lord and I uh, hope you don't stop in your uh, ambition for studying His Word. <coughs> and, excuse me, and learning and growing. I've never been more unhappy with my weight. When I came here, I weighed 20 pounds less than I weigh now. I'm fundamentally blaming Micah for that. I started out by asking the church to pray for me that I might lose weight. You guys didn't do a very good job because I didn't lose weight. The pastor said, well, let's give him my son Micah. The problem with Micah is he only, he's only interested in three things, okay? I got it down. Groceries and guns and food. Now, I know groceries and food are the same, but uh, it's food. So when he comes over and he's, he wants to eat, then I have to eat with him to be a good to be a good host, right? And if he wants a burger downtown, I have to have a burger, right? I mean, it's, it's only polite. So uh, the downside to retirement years is you have a tendency to sit more and not move as much, which is hard on your health. Movement is good medicine. So I'm learning that the more I move, the actually the better I feel. So uh, keep moving and learn to enjoy those retirement years. And, and I think it's okay. I hope you can understand this and get my heart on this. I think it's okay to retire. I mean, if it weren't for our retirement people, we'd be in tough shape. I mean, the retirement people are good. They love God. They, they step in and they help out and they fix things and they, they help with the offerings in the church and I'm thankful for them. But uh, it's good to see them busy for the, in the things of the Lord. Now that they have time, they can volunteer to do a Sunday school class. Now that they have time, they can volunteer to help out with transportation. Now that they're retired, they have income that they can help spread around and help the church and the poor and the needy in missions. So there's a lot of good things that can happen during that retirement segment. Okay, So don't be too hard on the folks that are retired. Just ask them to stay busy and enjoy those way days. Okay, We're almost done, class. The B-Day, important season in your life when you're born. If it weren't for the being born, you wouldn't be here. The graduation, that's very important. That's when you leave the house and start to find your own job. The employment days, that's when you settle down in a form of employment, in a, in a working pattern for the rest of your life to take care of your family. The happy days, that's when you get married and, and uh, you start living with somebody else and for somebody else. And you start raising a family and taking care of children. Parenthood, the heydays. Retirement, the way days. <coughs> and then the last season, D-Day. And that's the day of death. Hebrews 9.27 says that it's appointed unto man once to die. But we know it's coming. Nobody escapes the earth without dying. We put that on a door. <laughs> we were driving up north. A stick on magnetic door thing and said, 100% of people die. Are you ready? The sheriff of Detroit Lakes. Yeah. Which county is that up there? I don't remember. But the county sheriff followed us all the way to Walmart. I parked the car and he sat right next to my car and he looked at that decal and got on his radio. He thought we were troublemakers, you know, trying to protest the government or something. Punched it in his computer and found out that we were just Bible people. So he let us go. He never arrested us. 
But when you know when you tell people they're going to die, they don't like to hear that. <coughs> but it's obvious we're all going to die one day. And that's the final season. That's, that's the end of it for you and I on earth. D-Day. The Bible says in Amos 4 and verse 12, we are to prepare to meet thy God. Now, when that happens, if you want to go to John, as we wrap this up here, John chapter 3, when that happens, we can either be filled with delight or we can be filled with despair. Let me give you the despair first. John chapter 3, verses 35 and 36. When we witness to people, share the gospel, and we're ready for them to make a decision, it's always good to read these last two verses of John 3. <coughs> for the Father, that's God the Father, loveth the Son, that's Jesus Christ, and hath given all things into His hands. The Father gave the keys to heaven and hell to His Son. He put it all in His hand. He that believeth on the Son, that's Jesus, has everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You experience the wrath of God for eternity if you don't trust the Son. It's right there. That's the despair if you haven't made that decision before that final important season of your life, D-Day. Well, how about the delight? Well, look at John 11. John 11. This, I would hope, is the case for everybody in this room. And if not, I would certainly take care of it as quick as possible. In John chapter 11, look at verses 25 and 26. <coughs> Jesus here, <coughs> speaking to Martha and Mary, saith unto her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked the question, Believest thou this? And that's where I would close. You believe that? When the day of death, that final season gets there, We've all been born. Many of us have graduated. Many of us are married. Many of us have got form of employment. Many of us have been parents. Some of us have reached the retirement age. The only thing that's left for a few of us is death. And for those of us that are older, it could happen any time. And I believe, John 11, verses 25 and 26, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll never die. I will spend an eternity with him. And the word of God promises that. And I am so glad that I have trusted Christ as my Savior. Now, salvation, I mentioned earlier, <coughs> is the real eye-opener. I'm thankful for kids that get saved when they're young. I'm thankful for teenagers when they get saved as teenagers. I'm thankful for young adults. I'm thankful for middle-aged people. I'm thankful for old-timers. But you know, the older you get, the less likely you are to trust somebody to share the gospel with you. So don't put it off. If you haven't made that decision to trust Christ, do so. It doesn't get easier as you age. 
it, it's much easier when people are young because they're more tender, they're more pliable, they're more trusting. And when you get older, you've been lied to and conned and betrayed by so many false prophets, you don't know what to believe. So you're scared of even the right preachers who come along. And remember this during our course of on this earth that there's uh, three basic needs we all have. And it's not food, shelter, and clothing. The three basic needs that we have are we all need something to do. That's a basic need. You need something to do or you'll go crazy. You need somebody who loves you or you'll go crazy. And you need somebody to love. And in Christ, we're given something to do. And in Christ, we're given somebody to love. And we've been given somebody who loves us. So if you are, if your parents <coughs> are saved, your play days should be happier. If you're saved, your stray days, days when you wander, they should be limited. Be careful. Those are dangerous times. If you're saved, your paydays will be full of riches. And if you're saved, your, your marriage days will be much richer because the Lord will be included in your marriage. If you're saved, your heydays, your time with your children, will be a blessing and not a burden. <laughs> we, we had a mother that wanted to give us her daughter. Her daughter was a rascal, and Lynn and I took her in as, a, as foster parents, kind of. And we got to love on her a little bit, and got to know her real well, and we actually got her to behave. And her mother said, why don't you just keep her? I don't want her anymore. I just shook my head and I said, lady, you are crazy. God gave you that little girl to love and to take care of and to provide for. What are you thinking? She's yours. What a treasure it is. And it's, it's really sad when parents see their children as burdens instead of blessings. And finally, if you're saved, your D-Day, that last season of your life, will be one of delight instead of one of despair. And I hope you're safe. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for today and thank you for tonight. And thank you for giving us these seasons in our life and for giving us the passage in Ecclesiastes to remind us there's a time for all these things to happen, to be born and to graduate and to work and to have children and there's even a time to retire. And there's